All right, guys, welcome to another episode of the Fight to Finish podcast. On this episode, we have a very special guest. Actually, they're all kind of special, really, if you think about it. Uh, but this one is a really good dear friend of mine with an interesting background and lots of stories to tell. Uh, just like the previous guest, we hope to have him uh, reoccurring as time goes on. Um, he's a special character. He makes me laugh constantly and um, just an all-around good guy. And we, we hope to to kind of give light to a perspective that a lot of people don't know about. So we hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Fight to Finish podcast, guys. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Fight to Finish podcast. I am your host, Cece, and with me is our other host, my husband, Arwen. And we have a special guest for you today. Um, you know what? Actually, I I don't want to I don't want to spoil anything, so I'm not I'm not really going to give a uh, too much of a description. But um, we are going to welcome one of Arwen's friends, closest friends, closest friends. He was in our wedding. Yes, he was. Uh, that was yeah. We have stories <laughs> about that. Anyways, uh, welcome Steve <laughs> to our podcast. Hi. <laughs> Hi, thanks for the warm welcome. I don't know if I'm a special guest. I would just say I'm a guest, but thank you for the warm greeting. Uh, you know, Steve, uh, you know, it's um you we've we've been friends for quite some time, but I realized yesterday Cece and I were kind of talking about this podcast we were going to do with you and then she was like, "You know what? I really don't know how you guys met. How me and you met and i know it but i, I kind of want to see if it matches up with what the story yeah, i, I want to know C. if arwin lied to me about <laughs> what you guys met <laughs> yeah well you see um we were in vegas <laughs> there was a lot of strippers <laughs> a lot of illegal things going on no, I'm just <clears throat> well um i met arwin um through the sport of airsoft um I don't even quite remember how I got into it because uh, it's been it's what it's been like a decade ago. Yeah, um, decade. But uh, I was there. I brought my uh, my dad, and I went with my <laughs> younger cousin, and uh, I I had gone maybe a handful of times before that. And uh, on this particular day, it was going really slow. It's like there was a, a long wait between games. And I asked uh, the owner, I was like, Hey, uh, you know, I've been here a few times. Do you guys maybe need some help? Uh, I'm more than willing to volunteer, help you guys out, run some of these games, learn, you know, how it goes. And so he said, sure, come down next week. And, uh, he threw me on a team and that team just, uh, happened to consist of a few other guys and your husband. So, um, from there it was, uh, just a, uh, we we vibed really well. You know, we had uh, similar senses of humor, and uh, it just you know skyrocketed to a friendship from there. We had a lot of Buffalo Wild Wing meetups, <laughs> <laughs> a lot a lot of B Dubs meetups where we were just getting sit fat and just getting fat, get fat and snipe on other people and just people watch and have fun. Yeah, yeah. I think um, what, what team were we? Because there was different ships. We were like Bravo, Bravo. Yeah, I mean, we should have been the A team. We were that good, but yeah. you know. Yeah, I did. <laughs> That's what I, I, said I, I said the same. Dude, dude, did not, did we not run it? The 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 Bravo Charlie yeah. Delta teams yeah. ran it way more efficiently. We had our weekly meetings, and I think that's where the friend group 
really I think we just we took it too seriously. Yeah. We were probably just tryhards <laughs> that were just we did you know, we did taking try it way hard. too seriously. Yeah. Hey, didn't was it not fun coming up with some of that that content? Oh, it was it was so much fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was it was like some of the best. It was sometimes just coming up with the game types and just the different scenarios were it was more fun than actually playing. Sure. Yeah. And and you know what, like. It, that was really kind of the when I really had the funnest time with the Milsom Junkie channel was not only doing that on the side was volunteering the airsoft and playing airsoft but also recording and and making friendships like like with you I think early very early on you were in one of the very very early Milsom Junkie videos um, yeah. and, and you and your cousin actually I remember and. Hmm. Um, McLovin, yeah. Yeah, McLovin. And, um, oh my God, is that his name? No, that's not his real name. No, I'm not his real name. <laughs> oh, my God. That's what he looks like, exactly. I'll show you a picture later. And how is he, by the way? Uh, he's doing good. He's in a band now, and he's married. And what? he's, you know, well, he's me. putting wow. albums out, and he's, like, touring and everything. It's pretty crazy. Good wow. for him. If, next time you see him, tell him uh, I said what's up. Oh, for sure, I will. Um, but, you know, in terms of... Just, um, you know, I just had a lot of fun. That was really kind of like the real beginning of the Milsom Junkie channel. And, you know, we went on those road trips. Me, you, Monith, Andre. We went on those road trips and we just had a lot of fun. That was that was really oh, yeah. the, 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 you know, the beginning of a fruitful rela- friend, relationship or friendship. Yeah. Um, you know what? I, I think we need to take like an old man, like, Similar to the movie, uh, what is that, like Roadhogs? Where <laughs> all, everyone gets back together and does one last thing. I think we should do something like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm totally down. It should be fun. You know, what's yeah. interesting, though, all of us were, were at the time, we were all relatively young in our early 20s, early, yeah, early 20s or mid 20s. Mm-hmm. I think all of us were kind of working retail, you included. Uh, you worked for a major cellular provider. Um, yes. <laughs> those are some some fun times. Uh, you know, I think it's around the same time. I know you were working retail and we were work, We were all kind of, well, you were working retail, I was working retail, but all of us were kind of trying to figure out what to do. And um, for those that don't know you, I think now you work in the law enforcement capacity. Take us through that journey of like going from the retail side, right? Seemingly mm-hmm. just the sales because CC's worked retail uh, at Starbucks. I've worked retail at a big, 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 big blue box. And then now uh, where you were to uh, kind of deciding into getting to law enforcement, was it something you were lifelong passionate about or you just had a come to Jesus moment? Like what, what was that like? Well, yeah, it, it's always something that, piqued my interest. You know what I mean? Like I always grew up, my, my father was in law enforcement and, um, I always kind of gravitated towards that. You know, um, it, I don't have any cookie cutter story. Like I grew up playing cops and robbers as a kid (laughs) and I was always the cop and, you know, I just want, always wanted to do it. It's nothing like that. Um, I always kind of, you know, uh, would be gravitated, uh, gravitated towards, you know, movies or TV shows that uh, feature law enforcement, um, unrealistic as they may, yeah. yeah, yeah, unrealistic as they may be um, to the actual profession. Um, spoiler alert! Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I kind of wanted to do something different at first uh, before I, I, I went into that. I thought, you know, hey, let me go into sales, make it in sales. Um, 
I like, you know, sales, uh, but it just, it wasn't for me. It wasn't, it's not, it came naturally to me, but, uh, You're really it, good wasn't, at it. it wasn't fulfilling to me. Yeah. You know, I didn't, I didn't really get much out of it. Uh, and it, it ended up being sort of monotonous to me. Um, and so as a break to that monotony, I, you know, got into airsoft and had that hobby and, and it was a way to kind of, you know, vent from that. Um, but, uh, at one point I got, uh, I got fired from my monotonous, uh, dead end go nowhere job. Yes. <laughs> Not to say that people who still do that are, you know, I, I don't mean to kind of like shit on anyone who's still doing that. <laughs> um, but it was the best thing that ever happened to me because it mm. gave me a kick in the ass mm. to actually pursue uh, what I wanted to do. Um, mm. So I did it. You know, I um, I applied a, a handful of places. I, that's, I think that's probably the best method. I think uh, if anyone's listening that might want to get into law enforcement, um, I would say don't just apply for your dream department and just hope that that goes uh, goes all well. Um, it's literally, uh, I guess maybe not now because when I, when I applied, it was a little bit more competitive than what it is now. Um, but the, the application process takes so long that if you apply at department a, you might not hear a yes or no for anywhere from like eight months to, to a year and a half. So if you know, 12, 16 months in, you get a no, you're like, okay, well, back to the drawing board. Let me go apply yeah. at another agency now. Yeah. And, you know, you have to have a lot of irons in the fire. Mm. Um, so I, I would say that would be what uh, prospective, you know, uh, law enforcement officers would want to do. Um, but yeah, I, I applied I, uh, at a few different agencies, uh, got some interviews. I did my first, uh, you know, oral board with a, a pretty uh, sought after agency. I passed, but I didn't score high enough to move forward. Hmm. Um, I did not and know that. that's when, that's when I really, uh, I really like uh, buckled down, I guess, you know, you'd say, yeah. uh, I bought a bunch of books on, uh, on acing uh, those types of interviews and, you know, really kind of, um, involve myself with, uh, you know, the, uh, material. Yeah. So, um, by the time I got hired and went to, uh, went to the Academy, um, I kind of already had a leg up cause I, I had been pretty much studying this stuff. But, you know that, uh, that's interesting. Like ahead. I never took you, no offense in all the years I've known you. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I get it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, you I know, never I, once took you for anyone that would crack a book or study <laughs> whatsoever. No, I mean, like I know you read. I, you know, you would always and on me, you knew I'm, I'm like mildly dyslexic, and you would always recommend books to me, and I'm like, ah, no, that, and that's why I'm a big proponent of audiobooks, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I never took you to, to the person to kind of buckle down and study. I did not know that prior to entering the academy, you actually took time to study because just to paint, and it's going to be sound really incriminating, but you know, I just want to paint the picture for everybody is like prior to once you got fired from that retail job, you were kind of in a, a slump. Like you were, oh, for sure. you were, you, you were kind of a, you know, not a fuck up, but you, you just were kind of like, what's Steve doing? We, uh, the friend groups, all of us were just like, well, what is he doing? Like, what is he doing yeah. with his life? Right. 
and and you know short of intervention you you snap to it right and you even when you got well to a testament to what you were saying it's a long process geez i remember you saying you want to go for it applying for yeah. it and then you 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 put me down as a reference and you said someone a background investigator was going to hit me up at some point and that didn't come until like almost it felt like a year until i got that follow-up you know phone call from the investigator and yeah and it it felt like forever and the next thing you know you're in the academy right like it it, it just once mm-hmm. you kind of pass that point where you you got through the application process and got accepted into some academy and not 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 all agencies have an academy you can put yourself through it by yourself through like a, a local school or you can get accepted into an academy if they have one in your case you you know they had academy yeah. with your agency which is great for you uh, but it just well felt- actually oh my my agency uh so there's there's two two ways to do it you can put yourself through an academy but then you're having to put up anywhere from like four to six grand of your own money because uh, there's all the equipment and books that you have to buy mm. um, or you can go in sponsored. So my, my agency doesn't have their own Academy per se, oh, okay. but what they do is the, uh, and a lot of agencies are doing this now because you're, you're getting less and less people that really want to apply. Um, they will sponsor you. Basically they pay you while you're going to the Academy. Uh, and they're also, you know, buying all your equipment and everything. So you go through the academy kind of having a conditional job offer. So, you know, uh, contingent on you graduating that academy, you, yeah, you will uh, be, become a trainee with Mm -hmm. them. Um, so, but yeah, you know, it, it's not like once I got fired, I went straight into, uh, a a law enforcement academy. There was, there was a little bit of a, uh, like a dark period where I was just kind of floundering because, you know, it's, it's one thing to say, yeah, this is what I want to want to do. It's another thing to do it because you have to think like, okay, this is what I want to do. If I fell at it, then what, mm. you know, it's, that's, that's like a, a really big, and I do agree. There was, there was a, a huge question mark above my head. Like what's, what's going what, on with Steve? What's he doing? He just lost a, his job that he's been at for, you know, a long time. Was that a big motivator for you of like, once you got, you know, let go from your other job and you decided to go down this route and, and this, what if I don't pass? What if I don't make it through that? Was that a big motivator for you to do so well during the Academy and not be a, a fuck up during that time period? Like, absolutely. Absolutely. For sure. Um, I, I always knew I wasn't going to fail. You know how you just have that, mm. that drive. You're like, there's no way that I'm going to fuck this up. There's no way that I'm going to let this slip through my fingers. Yeah. So like I said, that's why I involved myself with so many different books and, and, yeah. and uh, materials yeah. and research that like, what did people before me do? What did they find successful? Mm. Um, so when I, I got fired from my job, you know, I had, I, I wasn't going to get into a, a, an academy right then and there. So I immediately went into another job and uh, I, I went into like an insurance job that I, wasn't really cut out for it. It wasn't me. I didn't like it. Um, and then uh, I, I got a didn't job work at well a bank. For you. <laughs> I didn't like the suit. I didn't like suits on you. They didn't look good. Oh, on really? You. That's funny because I have to wear them when I go to court. So I mean, it, <laughs> you look good in the suit in the back, wedding. It was, by the way, it's a, it's, a, it's a oh, thank you, thank you, appreciate that. Um, but yeah, once I, uh, I I got another job, you know, I that was just to pay the bills. That was yeah. to just keep the roof over my head and everything. Um, so 
I applied and uh, I scored very high. Uh, I got an email saying that I, I scored uh, in the top 3% and I, my uh, application was accelerated. So I oh, was wow. stoked. I was over the moon by that. Um, so I go in and I have a meeting with the, uh, the captain of the department. Uh, he tells me the process and that the, uh, the background is going to get started, right? Um, and I knew I didn't have anything really to worry about in the background, um, aside from, you know, my mom who's smoked weed my whole life, you know, <laughs> as far as I can remember, yeah. but you know, everyone, and I had friends at the department say, you know, whatever you do, just don't lie on the, this application. Like, you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that you can uh, articulate and explain away. And if it's nothing that, and, and let's be real, most people today have, uh, you know, our age had at one point tried marijuana. I had, yeah. you know, I had friends that have. Yeah. Um, and so I put that on my uh, application that I had tried it a handful of times. Wasn't for me. I was never really what you would call a pothead. Yeah. And so uh, they ask you about that. I mean, they, they grill you about that. But um, weed nowadays is looked at as just, you know, an experience. It's kind of like drinking to them. Sure. Uh, you know, as long as you're not selling it and, you know, uh, and manufacturing it yeah. so or cultivating it. So um, I get my uh, my packet. I turn it in. They tell me that the, that the investigator is going to start. I have a meeting with the investigator and then I, I wait. Yeah. And I wait and I wait. And eight and a half months go by and I haven't heard a single thing. Yeah. No phone call. No email, no nothing. And I start to get a little depressed. <laughs> I, was, I was like, uh, now what? What do I do now? Do I have to be a, you know, uh, have to work at this fucking bank my whole life? Like, what do I do? Yeah. You know, um, I'm sick of opening, checking, uh, and savings accounts. Like, this isn't for me. Um, and so I call. I call the department. I'm like, hey, you know, I should just want to see what's going on. And they're like, Oh yeah, let, let me, let me look for your file. They, they call, they get back on the phone. Uh, we can't seem to find it. Uh, let us call you back. <laughs> they call me back two days later and they're like, Oh yeah, uh, you're good to go. Um, but you know, we got to get you an, a new background investigator cause your background investigator, uh, took another job and your file's just been sitting on, <laughs> on, on a desk. So I'm like, Oh my God. Like, are you serious? I was like, I regret the whole the last like four weeks of eating the way I have. Um, I was just eating junk food, just depressed, sitting on my, you know, eating cereal over the sink for dinner. Um, so, um, shout out to Lucky Charms uh, for getting me through those tough times. Um, no, so I, uh, I finally, you know, meet with the the new investigator and it goes so quick. And uh, they're like, yeah, sorry about that. You know, we actually wanted to get you in this academy, which was like six, you know, by by the time I graduated, I would have been on for, you know, six months already. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, temporary setback, but went to one of the toughest uh, academies in uh, the state and, um, I really appreciated my time there. Like it's, I describe it like this. It's the the funnest time of my life that I would never want to do again, Mm. ever. It's interesting. (laughs) So, um, yeah, you buckled down. I remember during that time you, you were just so green and everything was new (laughs) 
and it felt right to you, right? I think yeah. I, we could we could sense it in the way you just the way from like one week not in an academy where you're just kind of this same old same old Steve, you know, kind of in a rut to to Steve at least finding his true purpose and calling. We knew that yeah. you were down going down the right path, right? You got tip top shape. You were like, you and I were around kind of getting really fit around. That's when R1 2.0 came into play, right? Around the same time. So you and yes. I were trading how many pushups, you know, like you were, I remember you're like, yeah. how many pushups did you do? And I was like, I did this. He goes like, I had to do this in two minutes in the academy. And it was like a kind of a dick swinging contest. I remember that. And I was just like, well, you yes. know, at the same time, but looking in hindsight, we were just both trying to, to be the better versions of ourselves. Right. So that's funny. Yeah. And I think that that's a good key to, kind of staying fit is just like pushing yourself and your friends, you know, in competitions like that. Like when I, when I started the Academy, I couldn't do a single fucking pull up. And that was embarrassing to me. I was like, wow, I can't, like, I couldn't do, you know, and, and this Academy, you had to, to, there was a minimum amount. You had to do five in order to graduate. And so I was like, okay, well, fuck, I guess I need to start doing pull ups every day or just attempting to. And, I was able to do uh, like eight or nine when oh, I damn. graduated. So, yeah. I mean, going from zero to eight or nine, you know, it's, you know, now looking back, it's like, wow. I mean, that in comparison to people that are actually very fit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I just last listened to the, uh, the episode with CC's CrossFit coach. And he's probably listening to this like eight. Plus. <laughs> what, a fucking, <laughs> what a fucking week. Yeah, it's <laughs> funny when we got on the phone and, and I was, I was when we were on the phone with him, he like, he was kind of busting out pull-ups in his, in his room. Like he has a whole pull-up <laughs> yeah, thing was. in his room. I was like, Oh geez. <laughs> yeah. He's a, this guy, he's, he's a very intimidating. Well, he's very, he's a very cool individual, but you look at him, you're like, fuck, <laughs> you're just like, he could bench press me five times over. I don't know. And he's he's about CC sight. Well, he's a little bit tall. He's, he's like little bit. five five, you know, five <laughs> seven, something like that. Yeah. But yeah, but he's like well, insanely strong. Yeah. I'm like, mm, all right, cool, whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, oh, so, go ahead. So looking back, is there, or I guess. Is there any advice that you'd give to people, right, if they want to get into law enforcement? Um, any advice you give them, like, for the application process or maybe follow up if you haven't heard in a month <laughs> or so? Um, I would say number one uh, advice to anyone wanting to be uh, a law enforcement officer, go to nursing school. <laughs> Much better for you. Probably just go to nursing school. <laughs> you'll make more money. You'll get less shit. You won't be shot at. No one will try to kill you. Uh, it might happen. You know, but I can't say that there won't be some crazy fluke that happens. But you know, unless you're on Grey's Anatomy or some show like that where shit that doesn't happen actually happens to all these people. Um, yeah, I mean, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> tips i don't know i don't know i mean it's a fun job but it's thankless work you mm -hmm. know you you have to deal with the dregs of society and then one minute and then turn around and help a normal you know law-abiding citizen and you can't be jaded you can't have that sour look on your face and i knew when i wanted to become a cop i was i didn't want to be a that asshole that pulls you over that won't listen to any excuse. I always give people opportunity. Like why, why were you speeding? What's, what's going on? Like, why did you do this? Why did you do that? 
I mean, if someone has a good excuse, you know, I, I never wanted to be the person who ticketed someone for shit that I do. I, I'll look at my phone while I drive. <laughs> I fucking texted. Like, I'm terrible with that. Cops are the worst at that. We have a giant fucking computer in our car that yells at us to fucking go places, and we have to drive and look at it and be like, oh, shit, what? You know, so <laughs> it, it's, it's hard to get mad at someone who, you know, is, I mean, yeah, if you're trying to make a fucking TikTok while you're driving, don't do that. But, you know, if someone texts you like, oh, hey, you know, uh, can't, don't forget the milk and eggs, you know, like I can't be mad at that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, there, and there's different types of people. There's people who could be attentive to their phone while being attentive at the road. And there's some people that, you know, their mm-hmm. phone is like, you know, an intravenous drug and they can't be without <laughs> it. Those people probably should have someone in their car with them at all times that holds onto their phone and says, no, you watch the road. Yeah. Um, or those people should just only be allowed to take Ubers. I don't know. But, <laughs> But I just, I just remember when I first got into it, it was so fun and it still is so fun. And it was like, I wanted all my airsoft friends to be cops. I was like, dude, we should all do this. You wanted me to be one. I was like, dude, apply. It's so fun. (laughs) You wanted me to, you kind of almost bullied me into it. You're just like, come on. I was like, really? Like, come on, don't be a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) I I remember you saying that, like, you know, it's, it's, and, and, you know, it, it kind of, for the time it was fitting because I worked at a law enforcement, um, not law enforcement, a first responder footwear company, right? Like I was yeah. around mm-hmm. cops and law enforcement all the time and first responders, right? And, and I still wear those boots, yes. Yeah, yeah. and you know, it was one of those things where, uh, and I utilized it, right? I, you know, like I gave you guys free boots uh, to use. and Not I, as a bribe. Not, a, not as a bribe. Let's <laughs> just put very, that out there. Let's put that out there. But, you know, I, you, you would, yeah, it was just kind of a, a good time, you know, for for all the friend group in general. Like you, you were you're going on the up and up. I started a new kind of career, um, and and Milsom Junkie was still kind of running too. Um, but I had a question for you: mm-hmm. How much does the academy train you for actual field work? Does it? Does it prep you? Do you feel like it? Once you started doing actual, you know, field work, you were prepared. Like, take the layman that doesn't isn't in the know. Like, take us through that. Let it explain that to us, that whole process, and then take us to if you were prepared or not. Well, uh, I remember when at the day that we graduated, um, we we go and we do this like little uh, go have dinner, and we all just you know, have drinks and celebrate our, you know, uh, our celebrate, the academy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I remember looking at like all my friends in the academy and be like, do you guys fucking know how to be a cop? Do you guys feel like you guys know how to be a cop? Because I sure as fuck don't, you know, and the, and that's not to say the academy doesn't provide you a lot of information. It's, it's information that just sits in the back of your mind and you're just like, Oh, it's, you know, becomes second nature. There's, there's things about uh, being a cop that, you either have or, or you don't like mm. one thing being like officer safety, you either have your head on the swivel and you have a good sense of your personal security. And just, it's, it's more, it's a mindset more than anything. Mm-hmm. You have to know, you know, <clears throat> the subject that you're dealing with, you have to, you know, kind of see the signs, uh, I should say. Um, it's, it's kind of like a sixth sense in a way you, 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 I guess you can't really learn that. I mean, 
you can be made aware of it. Like, Hey, yeah, this is, I get it. Th- this is what officer safety is, but there are plenty of people that I've seen that don't have good officer safety that I just, I'm afraid never will, you know, th- they either uh, fail out of uh, the field training program or they just quit because they don't like the job because mm-hmm. they don't feel safe. And I mean, no one should be getting into law enforcement to feel safe in the first place. It's, it's definitely a job where there's a lot of question marks around because you, you never know what call, what type of call you're going to. It could be something completely different. Um, but, uh, yeah, I would say going to the academy, I could see maybe uh, an argument being made for making an academy longer. Um, Mm -hmm. but really you need that field experience. And I think when you take a look at, the six month, uh, academy, some places do accelerated academies, some places do academies that last maybe eight months. Um, it's, it's, it's more of a question of hours, mm. you know, uh, California, the California post, uh, requirements, a, a certain, a certain amount of hours. But when you look at, uh, the six months you spend in the academy, and then when you're on the job, you have six months of a field training program with a seasoned officer who's showing you the ropes and, and you're, you're taking call after call after call. And they're just flooding you with, with uh, paper and reports and just different a variety of calls. That is what gets you ready. Mm. Um, so technically, you have a full year of, of, of learning to do. Mm. Um, and after the six, like I, I would say like four months into the the uh, the training program, I felt like I could do the job solo on my own. So it was only until post academy, then your FT, where they pair you up. That's where mm-hmm. you did your kind of real world world training, and you felt after that that FT, you felt way way more. Well, I mean, I guess that's why it's designed that way, right? Like, it, yeah, it, absolutely. It's, it's designed for, you know, they take you fresh out of the, the, the academy, you know, uh, you know, all the radio codes, you know, uh, penal and ve- vehicle codes, you know, that all that stuff's fresh in your mind. You've done scenarios and everything where you've handled mock, you know, uh, you know, calls and everything. And then they, they put you in a car with a seasoned officer, you're driving around patrolling, you, you get sent to calls and they sit there with you and they're like, all right, handle it. And you basically, they're, they're, they're your training wheels. Because any time that you start to, you know, wobble a little bit, and you're like, whoa, 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 what do I do? They're like, okay, do this, do that. Mm. You know, this is how we do it. And then when you go to record your, you know, your first report, uh, you know, or write your first report, they're there with you saying, okay, write it how you would write it. This, this is what I would change. These are the things that I would make sure that are in the report. Uh, you know, if you want to get a, you know, <laughs> a, a conviction, um, you know, because if you just take someone straight out of the academy and you just let them write a report by themselves and you don't look it over, if it does go to court, you don't want to, you don't want to be embarrassed in court by writing just a subpar report. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, it's, it's designed, uh, to, and it's, uh, what I like about it is it's designed to weed out the people who might have skated through and, and didn't quite, uh, mm you know, didn't quite meet, they, meet up to the standards. Yeah, yeah, they gray manned it. So it kind of weeds yeah, it out further. Got it. For sure. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's a filtering process. You know, mm. I've seen a, a few people, uh, uh, there's some people that I went to the Academy with that no longer work in law enforcement. Cause it is just, I, I don't, I might not, not technically know what happened, but I could guess that it either they couldn't cut it or it just wasn't for them. You know, maybe they just, 
decided that, you know, they didn't really like the culture. They didn't like what, you know, yeah. uh, what, the, the, what, what um, actual job entails. The job entails. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think that's really comforting. And I think that's a common misconception. A lot of people don't know is that, uh, that there is a filtering process in every step of the way from the academy. You can, you know, wash out from even post academy. You can still wash out too when you're, mm-hmm. when you do join, uh, at a department or an agency, right? Where they're, they're still filtering you out and they're still trying to weed. I think, you know, law enforcement at its core is trying to make sure that there are people that protect and serve and up and, and uphold the laws to the best of their ability. And, you know, obviously there's going to be like bad apples in the process, but, you know, I think, mm-hmm. you know, I'm glad that you touched on that, that there is, training and you're constantly just kind of um keeping uh, filtering all the bad apples out as much as you can um and and making sure that people that want to be there stay there you know i think that's really important and i think that's what a lot of people take out of context when they think of cops or whatever you know in general since i'd have worked so closely with first responders and you being my one of my good friends are 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 um, in law enforcement, you know, I see it every day in terms of just, I understand it, but I don't think a lot of people do. Um, no, that's good. Um, so, okay. So you've talked about how like being a cop is super fun, but you also mentioned about how what's on TV isn't really what it's like. (laughs) (laughs) So can you talk a little bit more about like, I don't know, for anyone out there that was like inspired by watching some cop show on TV, they're like, I want to be a cop now. Like, what what would the real job be like? Because obviously it's not going to be like you get shot at all the time and you never... Pick like, up, a, yeah. pick up yeah. a, a gun from a crime scene without a glove, kind of like, oh, what's this? <laughs> yeah. He's, yeah. he's, he's well, two blocks away. <laughs> well, uh, at, as of today, I haven't slid across the hood of any cars yet. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to that once that happens. Um, no, uh, I think I think the biggest thing that I see in movies that or TV shows that is the complete opposite from how it is is when different agencies are fighting over jurisdiction. They're like, no, this is our jurisdiction. You don't have jurisdiction. Like, bullshit. The way it really works is they're going to be like, hey, no, this is over here in county. Like, fuck you. No, it's in city. And they're like, nah, sorry. And then, and then you know, CHP is just sitting there like, mm, it's not mine either. I don't know. Like, so, these, <laughs> so they're these trying agencies, to throw it off. They're trying to throw it yeah. off. Into, oh. <laughs> yeah. No, people, it's not to say that, that, uh, they that don't want law it. enforcement isn't eager to do the job. It's just like, hey, if it's not in your jurisdiction, you don't have to be responsible for it. Why would you just be like, yeah, I want that? You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, yeah. Especially, you know, especially with cases that are just monotonous or involved. Because, hey, you know, there is <laughs> I got out of a monotonous you know, uh, line of work and by, by far law enforcement isn't monotonous, but there are boring calls and boring reports to write. You yeah. know what I mean? Like um, everyone wants you know, the good stuff. Everyone wants to find guns and drugs and they want to, you know, uh, be in uh pursuit and shit like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Find stolen vehicles, you know, stuff like that. But yeah. no one wants to be like, okay, yeah. Tell me about how, um, your boyfriend was supposed to drop off your, uh, <laughs> your, your guys's kid, uh, six hours ago. Uh huh. Okay. And, do you currently have a, uh, you know, a court order saying what date and what time, you know, it's just stuff that's just like, there's a lot of paperwork. And that's one thing that is different from the TV shows. You see all these fucking the cops, they make arrests and they're like, all right, let's 
get back out there. Yeah. You know, but it doesn't show him at the end of the day, writing an ass load of paperwork <laughs> and just being like typing, 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 or, you know, um, you know, and it, I think one of those shows, it shows the cops going through the entire like judicial process too. Like, no, like I'll arrest a guy. I'll write a good report. And then the fucking court system will just take the, the multiple felonies I charged them with and drop drop all of them except for one and then bump it to a misdemeanor. And you, you, you look back on it and you're like, well, Hey, what the fuck? Why did I do all that? <laughs> I'm like, this, this guy is on parole and he had multiple fucking weapons and, and ammunition that he's not supposed to have. And then what you like, you're like, Oh yeah, we got him for jaywalking. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, but I mean, that's not to say that like cop shows. I mean, I really liked Southland. That was, uh, a, I think that was a really uh, good show. I, I missed that show. Um, and then, weirdly enough, I started to watch Brooklyn Nine Nine, and I just think that's hilarious. <laughs> it's it, hilarious. It's, it's, it's hella funny. Yeah, it's hilarious. It's 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 funny. It's just a bunch of characters. You know but, the the um, the TV show. Well, it started with Chicago Fire. CC and I have been watching the, during this. It's quarantine. Chicago fucking everything. I'm waiting for Chicago supermarket to come yeah. out because they want <laughs> so, Chicago no, fire, Chicago man, Chicago. Yeah, that's exactly whatever. the rabbit hole. We we started with fire and fire is pretty good. Now we're watching <laughs> Chicago PD. <laughs> it's like, and uh, you know, fucking Dick Wolf is uh, that ex- executive producer, Dick Wolf. Yeah, yep. yes, it's pretty good. I'm, I'm not gonna is lie, it, but wait, we know that it's all dramatized for sure. So the Chicago series, right? Is it, is that the one where the guy has that voice that sounds like he gargles gravel every fucking day? Okay. I just want to make sure I had the right one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yep. it's pretty good. Um, question. So, so, and and we can talk about it if you're comfortable, and um, you know, please leave out any details that you, you can't. Um, or don't want to share, but for our, you know, how do I phrase this? You were involved in an OIS and OIS is an officer involved shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think for anybody that's getting shot at or, or, or shooting, I think that's a scary situation regardless the context. Uh, but you as a law enforcement, you know, being in law enforcement, that's gotta be, uh, the worst day right um what was it like like i I think you were pretty green too on onto the job relatively yeah um what i was like four and a half months off of training um and i was working with a partner um in a a particularly large beat and uh actually we're covering two beats that night and uh we just got sent to a call that uh, it was a call of uh, two to three sp- suspicious vehicles parked at the end of like a cul-de-sac. Mm. Um, and most suspicious, uh, you know, persons or suspicious, you know, vehicle uh, calls end up being nothing. And that's one thing that I would point out to people is like, treat every call as if it could be your last mm. because you don't know it, it could be misreported. It could be a uh, someone laying in wait, you know, someone wanting to uh, kill cops yeah. could call and be like, Oh yeah, there's this emergency going on. We need you over here. You go there and they could just be set up with a rifle. You don't know. Um, so by the time we get there, 
we, we see two cars there and, uh, you know, for the most part, you you expect like you, these calls are dime a dozen. You get so many of them, you drive, drive by and you can't seem to find what it, what, what someone reported. Yeah. Um, so we, we see them there. So we go to make contact and, uh, it just, you know, uh, it just kind of breaks down from there. You know, we, uh, there was two vehicles. Uh, the first vehicle just, he looked like he had seen a ghost. He was so scared. There was a guy in a car and he just, his hands were like welded to the steering wheel. He just was staring straight ahead. Um, and there was a guy outside, uh, the back vehicle. Let me, let me back it up. So we pull yeah. up, there's two vehicles at the end of the cul-de-sac. They're both facing like out the cul-de-sac a little bit. Yeah. Um, we get out of the car, identify ourselves, you know, it's standard procedure. So that way, if anything happens, when you go to court, these guys can't say, I didn't know they were cops. Never mm-hmm. mind the fact that there were red and blue lights that were, uh, you know, flashing, yeah, and, yeah. you know, but the argument there, their argument would be, well, it was dark. There was lights br- uh, in our face. I couldn't see who it was. I was scared, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. So you d- identify yourself as law enforcement and, uh, we start to approach their vehicles and the guy in the lead car, he just takes off and just darts, you know, um, just guns it behind us down, down the, the street. I flip around to make sure he's not trying to box us in. Cause that would be a very dangerous situation. Yeah. Whereas they, they park behind our car. The other guys in front of us, we have nowhere to go. Yeah. Um, you know, I try to get a license plate. I don't think there was one. Um, uh, and, uh, he just takes off. So then we have one person left to deal with. He was outside the car. He wouldn't show us his hands. He, uh, went around to the back of the vehicle. Um, and when the car took off, he runs to the, the, the driver's side, gets into the car, opens the car door. And I'm thinking, Oh shit, he's going to pull out a shotgun, a rifle, something. Yeah. So my partner and I, we draw our weapons, which, you know, you hear a lot of people say like, you might go through this whole job and never even draw your, 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 uh, sidearm in the, in the, yeah. in, in the, uh, in the performance of your duties. So this guy, opens the door. We, we draw down on him. We tell him to show us his hands. He gets in the car. We tell him to get out of the car. He shuts the door. We tell him to get out of the car. He turns on the car. We tell him to turn off the car and we're yelling at him this entire time. And then he guns it straight for us. So, you know, there's, seems like there was a considerable amount of room on this road for him to uh go around you know to to drive so <laughs> we in our in my mind i was like and my partner was kind of in front of me about like five or six feet in my mind i don't think i don't remember being scared that he was going to hit me i remember being scared that he was going to run my partner down mm. and and what that would do not only to, to like me, like psychologically, but to him physically, you know, there's that physical danger that he was being placed in by this guy gunning this vehicle towards him. But then on me, it's like, okay, working with the partner, it's your job to make sure you protect your partner and it's your partner's job to make sure he protects you. You know, there's that certain level of protection you have to have for yourself, your own personal security. But you're working with a partner. You have to look out for them. So I was thinking if I let something happen to my partner and my partner gets hit, gets injured, dies, and I survive, 
how do I look to the whole other department? Like, oh, don't want to work with that guy. That guy's going to get you fucking killed. Mm. Um, and those are just some of the things that, like, looking back on it, that's those were in the front of your in the front of your head. It all happened so quick. Yeah, of course. So I, <clears throat> I don't remember thinking that like right then and there. Yeah. But after you go back and you analyze the situation so many times, you're like, that's definitely my motivation for doing what I did. So I discharged my firearm. My partner discharges his firearm, and the guy swerves out of our way. Thankfully, um, because if we got hit by that vehicle, we would have most likely with all the gear and stuff we have on us, we would have been dragged by that vehicle. And I don't think we would, I would be here talking to you today if I were, if me and my partner got hit by that vehicle. Yeah. I think, you know, it's, I mean, I just remember like, uh, you saying, Hey, I'm, Hey guys, I'm all right. I was involved in an OIS and we're just like, all of us were like, obviously spared us no, any details, but you know, we're glad you're okay. I, I just think yeah. that's a scary, scary situation um, for for both of you guys, right? I think it's very, it's very intense. Do, yeah. w- after you discharge your weapon, in terms of it, it's, and I want to dispel anything like how it is in the the TV shows. Do does your agency or department? Do you guys? are put on some sort of leave or do you guys seek professional help? Because that is something, you know, you never really want to discharge a weapon on the, the performance yeah. of your job. Like what's the post, you know, shooting or OIS like, you know, for, yeah. for what was it like for you and did it help? Well, yeah. I mean, anytime you discharge your, your firearm, uh, a protocol investigation is initiated. Mm. That means, you're not a part of that investigation at all. Yeah. You're kept in the dark for, you know, cause if you did something wrong, they're not going to allow you the opportunity to kind of like sweep it under the rug. So, um, by standard procedure, you're placed on a three day administrative leave. Uh, and they have you go seek counseling. Uh, so we went, and it, you know, they offer it to you. It's not something that's, you know, it's mandatory that you go talk to the, the doctor, but it's not mandatory that you follow up. They, they say, Hey, you know, tell us what happened, you know, so give you a a way to vent, tell us what you were thinking about. Yeah. You can share as much or as little as you really want. And then they give you advice. They give you, you know, if you want to come back in, this is what, you know, uh, our office hours are, you can reach us by phone or text anytime, you know, so it's, it's, there's a lot of support there. Um, more so than I would have expected. Um, but you know, going back when I think about it, like there's a lot that goes into like, you know, firing your weapon because you, when you think about it, there's, there's so much liability. Sorry if you hear purring, my cat just jumped into my lap. It's okay. It's okay. That you're picking that up. No, all. you're good. Um, <laughs> get, get out of here. You needy pussy. Um, <clears throat> um, so when you fire, fire, there's so, you open yourself up to so much liability. And one thing I'm afraid of is with the way that the media portrays, you know, uh, law enforcement and officer involved shootings and, you know, uh, is officers that are that second guess themselves and are scared to open themselves up to that liability. Because I didn't even think about that in the moment. I was like, car, me, acceleration bad death is what could okay kevin <laughs> kevin malone so, uh, why use my word when small word do trick <laughs> um, 
so I I just knew that. Can you get down, Bill? Get out of here. Um, Bill so, is, uh, is his cat's name. Okay, Bill's so. my cat. Yeah. <laughs> just want to clarify. <laughs> yeah. So, um, where was I? I? Lost my train of thought because of this cat. Um, oh yeah. So oh my god. We're going to have to edit this out because he keeps jumping in, jumping up on me. All right, let's reset. Um, yeah, when you, when, when you fire your, your weapon, you open yourself up to a lot of liability. And I just think that, um, I'm, I'm afraid that newer officers are going to be afraid because they're going to go, okay, if I, if I shoot this guy, whether I'm right or, or, or not, well, hopefully I, they're right in doing that, that they're going to be vilified or they're going to face, uh, yeah. you know, public persecution a, a lawsuit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, and the, you can even see it in the way that they're trying to change the, uh, use of, uh, the use of force, um, like continuum right now. Mm. Uh, the use of deadly force is authorized anytime there's a perceived threat of deadly force against you. You know, so if someone pulls a gun on you, well, you have basically authorization to use deadly force because this person can shoot you and reaction uh, action will always beat reaction. You can't react faster to an action. Uh, you know, that's being uh, perpetrated upon you. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if without any, uh, you know, warning, if someone were to, you know, lash out at you, you're not gonna be able to react quick enough. Um, if someone's pointing a gun at you, if someone's pointing a gun at you, you're not going to be able to pull a trigger before they pull a trigger, unless you have that, uh, that prior like authorization to use deadly force. But the, what the, the change is trying to be made is in, you know, you have to have a, uh, I, I don't know the, the specific wording, but it's basically more like, a you can't like fire unless you're being fired upon. Like, don't quote me on that. I don't think that is like the specific wording, but that's the way that's the perception of a lot of like law enforcement. Like, wow, they're they're really wanting to make it to where we can't defend ourselves, you know, defend our own lives unless, you know, we're actively being shot at. Yeah. You know, because a lot of the a lot of the cases that that come up are, you know, people that have either like airsoft weapons or they have, uh, you know, a a gun that's a toy gun that's spray painted black, you know, and anytime that something like that happens, it's tragic. You know, anytime someone who's shot that doesn't have a a, an actual firearm, it's tragic. It's tragic for everyone involved. It's tragic for the family. It's tragic for the officer who now has to go the rest of their lives and the rest of their career thinking, knowing that like I shot someone who, who didn't pose a real threat to me, Mm. you know? So there's not a lot of time. I mean, I think like you touched on this in your own situation. There's, there's not a lot of time to react like milliseconds. You have to make that decision that affects both ends of the, both ends of the stick for the rest of their lives. Right. From your end and from the perpetrator or whoever's end. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah. I think I think that's uh, I think an eye opener, and a lot of people don't realize is that you, ha- as an officer, uh, is ha- you need to make a decision in, in milliseconds. Like, yeah, and and I think it's easy to kind of like sit at a desk where you're safe and you know you're eating your lunch, and you can sit there and judge like the actions of someone when, like Arwen said, it's just you have like milliseconds to, to make a decision. You don't have 
minutes to sit there and like think about every possibility. Yeah. So, I mean, you have yeah. A, I mean, go ahead. You have milliseconds to make a decision that you'll be judged on for years. Yeah. So people are going to take that, you know, a few hundredths of a second that you know that changed two or changed yeah. a handful of lives forever, mm-hmm. and they're going to break it down and yeah, play it. So it's, it, yep. it's like it's like when you watch when you watch sports, you watch football, and you see a blown call in slow motion. You're like, stupid ref, what a fucking idiot! Okay, we're getting a job. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Like, how do you miss Speaking that? Speaking from so your own, own experience there, Steve. <laughs> and, then, and then they show, yeah, and then they show the play in real speed, and you're like, oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> 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 I, don't, I didn't really see it there. Um, so it's, 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 it's similar because they'll take, you know, uh, body cam footage or they'll take, like, bystander footage, and it'll be slowed down and played, you know, times over time and time again. Mm -hmm. And then you just think for that cop, you're like, you know, that cop didn't see that all those times, right? He saw it unfolding in front of him and he's a human who has real emotions going through him. He has nerves. He has, you know, an entire nervous system that works in accordance. You know, one of the funniest things about my, my situation, uh, my OIS is that I don't remember my ears ringing at all. Every time we've shot, we've gone to the range. Yeah. You know how important uh, ear, ear protection ear protection yeah. is? But it's funny the way the body protects itself against things like that. The whole, you know, the rush of adrenaline, the uh, auditory occlusion. Like, I didn't hear any ringing afterwards. My hearing was perfect. There was probably a dozen shots that were fired. And my partner and myself had no hearing loss whatsoever hmm. once it was done. No, no, no ringing in the ears, nothing. And it's, it's pretty crazy how like our bodies work, uh, you know, to kind of help us out. Now, after everything was done, um, the adrenaline dump sucked more than anything. Yeah. Like my back hurt, <laughs> like my stomach hurt. <laughs> I took a really like mean stress shit. Like it was very <laughs> terrible. Like, not not one of the not one of the more fun parts of. Uh, and not that getting in that situation was fun whatsoever, but it was uh, definitely you know I would say exhilarating because you have a close brush with death, and it's it's like similar to people that you know. Uh, that do base jumping and the ones that wear the squirrel suits and like fly like next to a, like a mountain, like you're so close to death for a specific, you know, short period of time or a perceived threat that like you get that rush of adrenaline and it just, it has a, it, it's, it's hard to explain unless you've actually, uh, of course, of course. done it, you yeah. know, I, I, you know, number one, thanks for sharing. And, I, and I'm, you know, it's, it's one of those things that I did want to bring up. I mean, it, it is part of, it comes with the dangers of the job. It happened to you. And I just wanted to point it out, but you know, like, and I also wanted to give people, our listeners, uh, some context of what it's like from a person that's in law enforcement, a close per- personal friend of mine and a person that had, like you said, a brush with, with death. Um, you know, I think it is important to kind of, give you an opportunity to um, portray or to tell kind of your, your side of the story um, from, from your point of view. But I, I do kind of want to take a quick, 
uh, diversion. I don't want to keep going down this path, but the path I kind of want to go down is um, we're not the only ones who have a podcast. (laughs) Uh, You were, um, so for people who don't know, uh, while Cece and I have a podcast, Steve um, actually had a podcast at one point in time. Um, yeah, yeah. It, um, it was a lot of fun. I had a podcast with my best friend. Um, and it was just, we just talked shit on our, our coworkers, managers, and customers from our retail experience. Yeah. Um, it was a pretty corny name. Uh, it was called Retail Retail, where we just retold our stories from our retail experience. <laughs> uh, and we had about like five or six episodes before I had to go to the, uh, start the Academy yeah, and not throw a wrench in it. You know, yeah. I wasn't really able to uh, keep up with it after that, but it's funny. He wants to get back into podcasting. Do it. And so we're, we, oh, we were, we, we, we were all ready to, to uh, start recording. And then this whole, you know, COVID. coronavirus, yeah. COVID-19 uh, happened and, you know, we can't exactly have them over here to, you know, uh, you know, record some episodes. I mean, we could always record via satellite, you know, like <laughs> zoom or whatever, like, like how, how we're, we're doing, doing right now. now. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But, um, yeah, it works so well with you guys in person together. I think. Yeah. That, there's the, the, the way our, you know, our senses of humor work. Like you have to be there. We like vibe yeah, off yeah, each yeah. other, like being in the same room. So yeah. it, it, it's it was, kind of hard. You know, it's it? funny. It's like, we had plans for me being on your podcast and yes, we, we never yes, like we the sixth, like I think you said, I think you were on episode five and then the sixth episode was going to be me. We and wanted you, you. Yeah. Yeah. Then you were going to get on the, but then you got into the Academy. So it's funny kind of coming full circle. Now I have you on my podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember like when we, when CC and I started, I hit you up. I was like, Hey, do you have any of the equipment? What do you have? So I was just kind of doing research on, on what yeah. I had to do. But, um, you know, it's real funny cause, uh, you know, maybe if you listen to some of the past episodes, CC has stories of working retail at, at Starbucks. I have stories of working retail in uh, electronics retail. You have stories. And I think uh, it's, I think retail really makes you. Um, I think everyone should work in retail at I think some point so, in their life. I think so too. Yeah. I, I actually, I talk a lot of shit about working on, in retail, but it really prepares you for you know, working as a law enforcement officer, because you have to work with the public. You're, mm. you have to know how to deal with people. And when you have people coming in, slamming a cell phone down the table and be like, this fucking thing is broken. It's never worked. Uh, and it's got, and then you're like, uh, yeah, it's got water damage. You're like, well, it didn't work before that. And you're like, oh, okay, well, <laughs> fuck me, I guess. All right. I guess I just have to give you a new one for free, you know, but it, it's it in the, the, you have someone coming in, to your store and like demanding justice for an injustice. Yeah. They bought a product. It didn't live up to their, you know, uh, what they wanted or they they feel slighted in some way and you need to fix it. Yeah. So as an, a law enforcement officer, so there's an issue that they're bringing to you and you need to fix it. Yeah. It's kind of the same, similar, like, yeah. sim- it's almost sim- like this entitlement. Yeah, I think so. I think. Yeah, victims are. Vic, I agree. Victims feel very entitled. It's annoying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> no, the the retail customers have an entitlement. Yeah, but real people in their everyday lives as victims do not. I just yeah. want to make that clear. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's seriously <laughs> typing on the internet trying to find who I am. <laughs> so, this guy said victims are entitled. 
<laughs> so, I mean, okay. So going back to y- your work in law enforcement, um, how does one, uh, you know, it is a stressful job. How does one, uh, let's just say y- yourself, how do you de-stress? How do you separate work life from home life? How, what's the separation there? Like, how are you able to do it? What do you, what do, you do to implement your own life? Well, you know, everyone says, like, the friends that you have that are in law enforcement, keep them close because you need you need to get out of that that mode. You know what I mean? When you're on patrol, when you're you're in you know uh, working like long hours, you're hyper vigilant. Mm-hmm. You are you know. I remember like a, a week after, like less than a week after you know my shooting, I'm like sitting in my car and. Uh, and my mom comes up to the, the window, window and just boom, 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 like bangs on the window. I had about, I had a fucking heart attack. It's <laughs> like, mom, why would you do that? Like, you know, so you need, you need outlets to, you know, you can't always be, you know, having your head on the swivel at all the time. All times. You have to let your guard down sometimes, you know, I mean, it's smart if you're out in public, uh, especially if you, you know, live where you're, you know, working, sure. uh, to, you know, always have an eye out, never sit with your back towards the, you know, the door, know where the exits are, all these things that you and I already know. Yeah. Um, previous episode of ours but, too, as well. So just, yeah. So thing. you, you got to know specific things, but when you're at home, there's no reason to be hyper vigilant. When you're at a friend's house, there's no re- reason to just constantly have your head on the swivel. Like a ninja's not going to pop out of your friend's fucking uh, <laughs> bathroom and you know try to kill you. So, I I de-stress in in a number of ways. I mean, what f- family and, and loved ones? My girlfriend, you know, like she is 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 huge at uh, and she's really good at. Um, Okay, let's back that up. She's not huge. She, she's a huge part of my life that is great at de-stressing me. Good. You know what I mean? Like we, uh, I'm so glad that I found someone that is just like so much like me and we have the same sense of humor, all of our inside jokes. It's That's what I look forward to coming home to and, and to just kind of like leaving work at work, you know? Yeah. Um, yes, I, I, I will share stories with her from work, but it's more so to just kind of explain why, you know, you know, I might be, be in a, stressed, maybe yeah. in a cranky, a cranky yeah. mood. And yeah. I, I also play a lot of video games. Video games is a great way to de-stress. You know, people might love or hate video games. I happen to love them. I just, for me, it just kind of, you know, although video games can be quite stressful sometimes, but you know, it's overall, it's a way to just kind of forget about work. And that's kind of what you want to do. You want to, you don't want to be hung up on a case that, you know, sure. a, a looming court date sure. that you got subpoenaed for or anything. You just want, when you go home, you want to be home. Yeah. You don't want to be at work while you're at home. I think that's, that's very key. I mean, especially during these times for obviously your, your line of work is, is essential, right? So then mm-hmm. nothing's changed for you, but for, for CCNI, our work is now at home. Right. So we've been building separations that that we normally have. So, you know, uh, I think like yesterday you called me up and you were like, hey, jump online to play video games. And I was like, hey, I'm still at work. But immediately after I got off work, I went and got out of the house. Right. 
and mm-hmm. did something for a few hours. And then even at night, I, I, I jumped online with you and, and, and played video games through the, the, through the night, right? Um, it's yeah. very important to, to separate, I think, well, in our, my opinion, it's very important to, to separate those things, right? When to, a big separator from work and home life. And I think that's fantastic that you have a love, a significant other. Uh, she's great, by the way, who helps promote that to you in your life, right? And you have a, a set of friends, right? We all don't live in the same area, but we obviously still talk and we obviously share different passions and that, that are separate from your work life. And I think that's very key um, who anyone in that works in your capacity to to exemplify. I think they need those people and those those life support systems in their life, you know? Absolutely. There, that's You have to lean on them, you know, for that support because if you put yourself on an island... And, you know, you just try to be like the, the fucking hero cop who just shuts himself off from people and doesn't have any feelings. That's just seems like a recipe for disaster, you know? Yeah. Steve, um, there's a question that I always ask a lot of people Mm -hmm. and and near the end of uh, our conversation, but I want to get your take because I think it's really interesting because I have a real personal connection with you. Um, Mm -hmm. Is what would what would past Steve, what would you like to say to any advice would you give to past Steve? And that could be from last year, yesterday to Steve that was down in a rut, you know, any advice you would give him if you were to meet him? Go to nursing school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, <laughs> um, <laughs> no um, past Steve, get your head out of your ass. Like, you know, just jump into it. Like, don't have no reservations, you know, get out of that dead end job that you're, that you're doing now. Cause spoilers, you're going to get fired <laughs> um, <laughs> and do what you really want to do. Do what you think is re- going to make you really happy. And mm. I, looking back, I wish I would have been doing this, you sooner. know, when I met you guys, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I, I tend not to ha- have any regrets because then had I been doing this this whole time, who knows? I'm, I'm, I might not, uh, never have met you guys. Yeah. You know, uh, I might not have met my girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's hard to look back and say, man, I, I, I really wish whatever. Now, had I started this a long time ago, I would have had a, a, a vastly superior retirement uh, portfolio and profile. Uh, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's all good. In terms no of worries. follow-up question now to that is uh, any advice from that you'd like to know from future Steve if you were to um, meet future Steve? Anything Ooh, you would like yeah. to know? Hmm. Let's see. What are the Powerball numbers for next week? Yeah, <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> help me out here. <laughs> Straight up back to the future. How, how, help out Bill. Let me get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We can go on and on. And I, I'd still like to have you on because I sure. think, you know, um, I think CC likes what? Pulling- recurring gas. Hell what? yeah, bro. Uh-huh. I think, I think, you know, I think I really wanted to go into some old Milsom junkie. Some meth head stories. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, we okay. can do no, meth head as well we went, too. We went, we went a different direction there. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to share some Milsom junkie stories for sure. Yeah. Um, and, and just, you know, in more context about like how to be safe um, from a law enforcement, law, perspective. law enforcement perspective. Right. So, you know, yeah. I definitely want to save some of those topics for next time. 
Um, For sure. Any advice that you can give to the general public while they're in the shelter in place? I know that you are not a healthcare professional, although it seems like you sh- you wanted to be go into nursing. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, any advice from a law enforcement perspective during this quarantine that you can give out to people um, about who who need to go out um, or are starting to look at go out? Because now, as we know, at the time of recording, some states are opening up. California is in phase two of their mm-hmm. quarantine um, plan or shelter in place plan. Um, any advice to the general public? Uh, I would just say just follow all the recommendations. Don't touch your face. Wash your hands. Social, keep six feet apart, you yeah. know, wear a face mask. A lot of places are, you know, Costco making you wear a face mask if you go yeah. into Costco now. All around here, but, it's, um, it's required. Any store. You know, in a perfect world, everyone would, would stay home, but people have real lives and they, people are dying to get out, you know, and to go for a walk, to, to meet up with their friends, the friends and family. And I mean, constitutionally, I mean, you can't really restrict people's freedoms too much, can you? But, uh, yeah. it's, it's our hope that people would just, want to you know social distance for the for the greater good so yeah just keep washing your hands don't touch your face and be good to each other cool um for i have a question question do you think that there will be a spike in home burglaries as soon as the shelter in place is lifted because no one will be home yeah Mm. probably Mm. yeah i I never think about that it only makes sense yeah i mean if ever once everyone goes back to work i mean if I, I, I pride myself on my criminal mind. I think I feel like I'm, I, I think more <laughs> like a criminal than most, most people do. Uh, but <clears throat> when, when, there's a shelter, when there's a shelter in place order right now, I don't think I'm really wanting to break into anyone's houses. That's what I'm saying. Now, yeah. No. Businesses. Sure. Businesses that have had to shutter their doors and everything like that. That would seem like that, those would be key targets for people to break into. So, yeah. you know, um, but yeah, um, I, I definitely foresee that happening once everyone gets back to work and, you know, you just want to make sure that you're doing what you can to not be a target. But we can talk about that on the future episode. There you go. <laughs> any, um, uh, and I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this. I don't think there is any, but any socials or anything that uh, people can go f- follow you at? I don't think so, right? Um, I don't have any public ones uh, right yeah. now. I should probably uh, create one um, if if and when we get this uh podcast off uh off the uh we'll put it in the show notes yeah yeah well uh yeah we'll we'll talk about that later but uh i want to get a couple episodes in the in the can first before you know yeah before unveiling it yeah no that's fine i I can't wait um i was a subscriber then you know so um i definitely try to well are the old episodes still out there no they're not how sad they were good Dude, I remember. I remember listening to them at work. I'm like, oh, I got to put this volume down. <laughs> Steve's going ham <laughs> <"Hey, I'm> on. <laughs> but see, we can uh, even talk I'll about see, we can talk I'll about that in future and, and see if I can send them your guys's way. Yeah, Dropbox. I remember she, we were dating then when they were when they were up. So I remember talking about yeah. a few episodes with her, or at least talking, and we were just laughing about them. So, yeah. well, thanks, man. I really appreciate it, brother. Thanks um, for having me. No, this is fun. I definitely want to have you back on, and I think it's going to be great. So, uh, thanks for tuning in to the Fight to Finish podcast, guys. All right, guys. Steve might not have a social handle where you guys can follow him, but we do. So, make sure to follow us on TikTok at F2F Podcast, on Instagram, also at F2F Podcast, and make sure to listen to us at F2F Podcast.com or anywhere you guys enjoy listening to podcasts. 
We hope you guys enjoyed this very special episode of the podcast. Thanks, guys. 